Well, as we sing about laying down burdens, one doesn't have to look too long or too hard at our own lives or around our nation or around the world to see much grief and pain and loss and many, many burdens, whether from our own pain in our own circle of relationships to those suffering from wildfires and floods and hurricanes to the situation in Afghanistan and the ongoing global pandemic. And I find it helpful to keep reminding myself that we are not the first people who have ever lived to experience difficult and traumatic circumstances. Life is difficult. Just good to kind of accept that premise. Life is difficult. And we can learn from how others have coped who have gone before us. You know, it's always easier if you don't have to go through everything yourself in order to learn, if you can learn from what other people go through. And so today we're going to look at a story that begins with overwhelming grief and loss in the midst of difficult times. And it focuses on two women who during the course of their lives are daughters, wives, and mothers. Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth. And together they demonstrate in this short but I think beautiful book four qualities that we are wise to practice as well. The story of Ruth and Naomi is found in the book that bears Ruth's name, which begins at a time in Israel's history when there is no king. And we're told it's the days when the judges ruled. And we have heard last week how wonderful that period of time was in Israel's history. And not only is it the time when the judges ruled, there's no food. How many of you ate before you came here today? I'm guessing at least half of us probably had something. But there's no king, there's no food, there's a famine in the land. This is just in the very first verse that shall be read for us. And much like the poor and frightened and desperate people trying to get out of Afghanistan, trying to get from northern Africa into Europe, trying to get to the United States through Mexico. Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Chilion, they make the difficult decision that they feel they've got a better chance if they flee their home to go to someplace unfamiliar in the hopes of finding a better life for themselves. And so Naomi and her family leave Bethlehem, which is five miles south of Jerusalem, and they travel perhaps 20 to 30, maybe a few more miles to the east, east of the Dead Sea, south of the river Arnon, to the area of the Moabites. Now, the Israelites believe that the Moabites were related to them through Abraham's nephew, Lot. So the Moabites trace their roots back to Lot. But because the Moabites didn't give the Israelites food and water during the journey out of Egypt, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23 that no Moabite shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. If a Moabite showed up, you're not getting in here. You can't come worship with us because of something that your great-great-great-great-grandfather did. But we don't hold a grudge. 
So there were hard feelings for generations because of this, and yet this is where Naomi's family chooses to go. Because beggars can't be choosers quite often. And the situation for Naomi's family grows much worse and more serious when her husband dies, leaving her and her two sons even more vulnerable. And the young men married Moabite women, but sadly, after they lived in Moab for about 10 years, both of her sons died, leaving their wives as widows, their mother, no husband, no sons, no future. Now, it's hard, I think, for any of us, unless we've done it, and I don't think many people at our church have, it's hard to imagine what it must feel like to have to flee your own country, to go into an unfamiliar land, and then to lose so many members of your family, and to feel alone and unsupported and with nowhere to turn for help. You know, you might be surprised how many people we have at BBC who were born and raised in another country but who married someone from the United States and who, like Naomi, don't have a lot or even any of their relatives and family close by. And one of the benefits of being a part of a church is that it can provide the kind of love and support that we all need even when we don't have family around us as Naomi no longer did. So, so she's lost her husband, <coughs> excuse me, then both of her sons. She's got to cope with her sense of grief, her loss. What is she going to do now? How is she going to survive? And that brings us to picking up the story in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried with you. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, 
She stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant, just so you know. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is God's Word. While it's true that Naomi had experienced great affliction and misfortune, she had not come back totally empty. That was an emotional statement, totally understandable on her part. She didn't come back totally empty because she had Ruth. And the women in this scripture demonstrate several admirable qualities that we're wise to practice. And the first is compassion. Compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. The sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortune of others. Ruth had obviously bonded closely with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and recognized she had suffered a tremendous loss in losing both her husbands and her sons. And Ruth has so much compassion for Naomi that she is not going to let her take a dangerous, it'd be very dangerous for a woman to travel by herself at that period of time, much less even two of them. But she wasn't going to let her go back to her hometown of Bethlehem alone. And if you reflect on a time in your life when you are hurting or grieving, and some of you are hurting and grieving right now, but if you think about a time in your life when you were, don't you remember the people who showed up with compassion? The people who showed up with sympathy? The people who had concern for you and expressed it? I think we usually do. When we have compassion for another person, it means we feel their pain. We're moved to help. We want to be of assistance. And Jesus is often portrayed as having compassion for people. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, he looks at a crowd of people. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And Mark says he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 12, there's a story of a man who's covered with leprosy, a terrible skin disease, and he begs Jesus, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And it says Jesus, moved with compassion, stretches out his hand, touches, and heals him. If you want to be like Jesus, if you say he's your Lord and your Savior, if you say you serve him, then first and foremost, be a person who demonstrates compassion and love. Compassion connects us to other people in their time of need and very importantly, helps them feel that God has not abandoned them. 
Compassion, the capacity to care for others, especially when they're hurting, is vital to healthy relationships in our lives. And when we're hurting emotionally, when we're hurting physically, is when we need compassion the most. One of the things my mother often said to me and to my sisters that always challenged me, my mother would say, be your best self. Be your best self. And our ability to show compassion, I think, often reflects our best Christian self. And that compassion is not limited just to people, right? Compassion is what motivates people to, some folks we have are connected with rescuing dolphins when they strand or when the turtles will, you know, stunned turtles will come ashore in a couple of months when the water gets colder, right? When we have compassion in our heart, we want to alleviate suffering, period. And that's the first thing I think Ruth wants to do for Naomi. A second quality we see in the story of Ruth is acceptance, and we see this in their relationship. Now, I mean, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I've seen a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships, and I can tell you that some parents may not enthusiastically welcome the news that their son or daughter is going to marry someone from a different culture and religion. But Naomi is accepting of both her sons marrying Moabite women. And that's a very different attitude than we find in the biblical books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Those books reflect different times and different traditions within the biblical narrative. And I personally find it very interesting how books of the Bible can present opposite perspectives and debate and argue with each other about what is right. And you see that between Ruth and Ezra and Nehemiah. So, two Moabite daughters-in-law, and after Orpah tearfully departs, Naomi tells Ruth to follow her in her steps and return home. And did you get what she told her to do? She said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Her people and her gods. Go back with her. And Ruth basically says, no way. I'm staying with you, and your people will be my people, and your gods will be my gods. There's acceptance there that's going in both directions. And in families and in relationships and friendships with people we work with, people we go to school with, healthy relationships require acceptance because often we have to accept people This is really shocking in the time in which we live, so please try to hear me out and don't get out and storm out on me. But acceptance means we often have to accept people who think, feel, believe, and act differently than we do. The horror. Oh, the humanity. We also have to accept the fact, and I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, But you're not perfect. Neither am I. And you have to accept that you're not perfect. And neither is anybody else who you're in relationship with. We all have areas in which we need to grow. And, not to be depressing, but many of us have flaws that we may never overcome. 
Any of you find you wrestle with the same issues now, if you're old like me, that you wrestled with 30 years ago? Acceptance is vital to healthy relationships because we learn we're loved and cared for and we love and care for other people for who they are as they are. And the opposite of genuine acceptance is a form of conditional love or conditional acceptance, which is reflected in attitudes or sayings like, if you love me, you'll do this. Or, I'll love you as long as you do this. Or, if you do this, I'll be your friend. Or, if you don't do this, then you can't be my friend. These are all expressions of conditional love, conditional friendship, or outright manipulation. Acceptance strengthens relationships because we know we're loved simply as we are. Compassion, acceptance. A third quality we see in Ruth and Naomi's relationship is kindness. Kindness is the quality of being friendly generous and considerate and kindness to me is truly one of the greatest things in the world Ruth and Orpah have been so devoted to their husbands that Naomi says with great emotion and affection may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me oh I mean if that doesn't get you Kindness is mentioned many, many times in the Bible as one of the characteristics of God. And I think it's interesting because when people think of God, they think of words like powerful and holy and, you know, yeah, God's those things. Yeah, all right. But kindness is also a vital key part of who God is. And I won't quote you every verse I could, but I'll just give you a couple. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17 says, where Nehemiah says, you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And in the New Testament in Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And we see kindness in the third major character we meet in the story of Ruth, and that's a man named Boaz. Boaz belonged to the family of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. You know, reading the Bible, it's a lot like following a soap opera. You've got to stay in touch with all these things. So, so he's a part of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech's family. So in Ruth chapter 2, he asks, who is this unfamiliar young woman who's reaping in his field, and he's told she is a Moabite who came back from Naomi from the country of Moab. And can you hear the twofold emphasis on the fact that she's a foreigner? She's a Moabite who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. And we're told that she's been polite and she's worked hard from the early morning and Boaz speaks to her respectfully, calls her my daughter, gives her instructions to stay near his young men as they go through the field, and he orders them not to bother her and encourages her to stop and drink water whenever she needs to, and 
ask God's blessing on her for all she has done for her mother-in-law because the word has gone around town about how wonderful Ruth has been. And he notes that she even had to leave her own parents and her own land and people. And he tells some of his workers to pull out some of the handfuls of grain from the bundles that they had harvested and to leave them behind for her. So Boaz is very kind to Ruth, and she's so overwhelmed with gratitude. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 10, she falls on the ground and says, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? Boaz notices a foreigner in need, and he's kind and he's generous which is what, as we've heard going through the early books of the Bible, we are supposed to do in our own time. There's a tremendous need for kindness in all relationships and in the world. If you're going to be anything in life, just be kind. I have to tell you, I'm so fed up with a lot of our culture Because politics has become just angry, mean, insulting speech. The media in all its forms is dripping with disdain, pontification, accusation, self-righteousness, ignorance, and rage. And it's not good for anyone. And it's not good for our country. I'm old, so I remember movies like the 1939 classic with Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And he says in a filibuster on the floor of the Senate, it seemed like a pretty good idea getting boys from all over the country, boys of all nationalities and ways of living, getting them together. Let them find out what makes different people tick the way they do. Because I wouldn't give you two cents for all your fancy rules if Behind them, they didn't have a little bit of plain, ordinary, everyday kindness and a little looking out for the other fella. That's pretty important, all that. That may sound quaint today, but kindness has never gone out of style. And it brings a smile to people's faces, and it helps to create and strengthen relationships. And boy, do we need kindness today. Even in our overwhelming grief, Naomi can't forget the kindness that Orpah and Ruth have shared with her and her sons. Kindness lives long in our memories and in our hearts. And it enriches relationships and it strengthens communities. In the story of Ruth and Naomi, we see compassion acceptance, kindness, and finally, loyalty. Ruth demonstrates great loyalty. It's one of the best expressions of loyalty and devotion in the Bible when she says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. Ruth, I think, understands the depth of Naomi's pain and loss. She has become a widow herself. And it's her sense of loyalty and devotion that moves her to leave her homeland, 
to accompany Naomi safely back to Bethlehem. You know, the first time Ruth goes into the field of Boaz, she is looking very rude, basically, for food to help her and her mother-in-law to survive. Ruth returns to the field of Boaz after being instructed by her mother-in-law. The second time she goes back, she's not looking for grain, she's looking for a husband. And she wins the favor of Boaz. And in chapter 3, Ruth, a Moabite peasant woman, an outsider with no status whatsoever, asked Boaz, a man of Israel, to fulfill the ancient law of Israel's God to act as the next of kin to protect the honor of the family that Ruth had married into. You follow all that? And Boaz says to her in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. Judges, which was last week's book, frankly, it's one of the toughest books in the Bible to read. It's brutal. It has a violent and depressing end. Personally, I like happy endings. That's just my personality. It's probably why I don't like opera. (laughs) But you know, the, the movement of the story of Ruth begins downward. There's no king. There's no leadership. There's no food. Eventually, there's no husband. There's no sons. She has no name. It's just emptiness. And then the story starts to move upward as Ruth finds food gleaning in the fields of Boaz. And then she finds a husband in Boaz. And then in the very last verses of the book, we find out that they have a son. And that son is named Obed. And eventually it ends, we know that there's a king because Ruth, a Moabite, is the great-grandmother of none other than King David. And she becomes, for you Ancestry.com people, a part of Jesus' family tree. And much of this story happens where? In Bethlehem, which is, becomes known as the city of David, and that's where Jesus himself is born. You know, if you want to look at people in the Bible to be role models for you, to be a role models of healthy relationships You can do a lot worse than the three main characters in this story. Naomi, an Israelite mother-in-law. Ruth, her Moabite daughter-in-law. And Boaz, Ruth's second husband. How much better would life be if we could live up to and emulate their example of compassion, acceptance, kindness, and loyalty? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you how the themes in these ancient stories are still so relevant and timely in our own day. And we pray, God, simply that you would help us to keep growing in Christ-likeness. And just as Jesus demonstrated compassion and acceptance and kindness and loyalty to people, God, would you help us to practice these virtues in our life? 
and give us the motivation we need to know that the more these evidence themselves in our relationships, the stronger our relationships, the stronger our communities will be. Lord, we thank you for making room for us at your table, and we pray that you would help us to make room for others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.